0: Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Hi, Jeffrey. Hey, Brett. Happy Friday. It's Friday. It is Friday. It's Friday for us. It may not be Friday for whoever's listening to this.
1: The listener. The multitude of listeners. Well, I'm happy to be here on a Friday and we do have a special guest here
0: today with us. I'm pretty excited about it. I am. I'm also excited. I don't know if my excitement level matches your level of excitement, but it's all relative. Well, we'll see as we go. Exactly. Our special guest today is
1: a renowned architect. He is a graduate, University of Florida Go Gators. He's
0: renowned in this room, by the way, for sure.
1: No, no, he's renowned. He has a degree in design. He also has a master's in architecture, both from the University of Florida. Go Gators. This gentleman is committed to helping each client achieve their unique aesthetic vision. His nearly three decades of experience, that means he's old using his design talents to realize successful commercial architecture projects in South Florida market. While maintaining focus on the primacy of good design, this individual quickly learned the critical role of scheduling and budget play in meeting the client's needs. Over the years, he has accrued the knowledge, skills, and experience needed to strike the delicate balance between the art and business of architecture. He is. Quoted as saying, the project's budget and schedule are a given that must be maintained. However, it is the architect's mandate to incorporate design and innovation into all projects. He is a Miami native. He is happily married for over 20 years and a proud father of two. He enjoys playing guitar, is an avid sports fan, celebrating as much as you can celebrate the Miami Dolphins, the Miami Heat, and the Florida Gators. And his Claim to fame is that he is the architect and designer of the space we are sitting in today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome,
2: Eric Myers. Thank you, guys. Probably should have started with the claim to fame of your office, but I'm good.
0: Yeah. If you haven't been to our office, you are invited to come down and check it whoa, out. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're just the open, just like open. an open invitation. Yeah, just like by. that. Just like that. I didn't even get pre-authorization for that. I just went got, just went and did it it's now public it's you know it's out in the domain anyone you're welcome to join us call us well, we'll call us first far. or do you just show yeah, up yeah just okay whichever i would make an appointment first i think making an appointment yeah. is probably the best you know best protocol but
1: welcome to the podcast I'm
0: really happy
2: to be here
1: yeah How do you like sitting in your design and sort of taking it
2: all in? I think that's the benefit of being an architect versus Mm -hmm. any other profession is that when you're done, you can walk inside and enjoy the space and watch other people enjoy the space. So I love it with all of our work and seeing those in it enjoy being there and using
0: it. When you... Coming to the space, do you truly enjoy it or are you walking around going, I should have done that? We could have done this. This is wrong. This is right. The how answers, do you, yes. How do you, can you, are you able to turn that off or how do no, you? No, I, I, <laughs> I'm able to enjoy the space.
2: I look at things that we could have potentially done differently as well as I relive everything that happened during construction. So mm. it's a combination oh. of all of it. I mean, that's a fair question.
1: Like, is there ever a point, even in your own home, right, Mm -hmm. that you can walk in and just sit down and enjoy it and not, from an architect's perspective, think, oh, God, should I change that? We could
2: have done that. I mean, that's got to be difficult. Uh, Those around me know that I never turn that off. It's always on. We, When we renovated our kitchen, the tile installer didn't do it perfectly while I was away for the day. And I'm not going to have it ripped out, but... I see it, nobody else sees it, but right. every day I see it. So. Right, and you can't not see it. I can't not see it. We just <laughs> right. had a roof redone. There's one part I don't like, but I can't change it. So it's always turned on.
0: Yeah. But what yeah. a cool treat, though, to design something and then see it come to fruition and then enjoy the benefit or see the others, the people who you designed it for, enjoy the benefit. That, that's really
2: the best benefit is seeing yeah. the people enjoy the space. And and that's what I, why I love what I do. Right it's the most fulfilling part of it is seeing the completed space and the people in the space.
0: And how does it feel right now? You designed this podcast recording studio and now you're in it, enjoying it with the people you designed it for. Ever since Brett mentioned the opportunity to come and do this, I've been looking forward to it
2: because I know the soundproofing we put in the walls, the special glass that's on the front. So... I was looking forward to being part of this for yeah. sure.
1: So let's have, an, have a moment of silence so we right. can hear the silence in <laughs> there. Yeah,
0: it's not quiet. We'll <laughs> edit that out for <laughs> a moment. That was a very long, we said, We just sat there for five minutes in silence, but we edited it out. Yeah. You cut all that out? Yeah, we cut that out. Wow. Yeah, we, it's
1: called post-production. was yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, amazing. we're good like that. So, you know, when did you realize that architecture and design was something that you wanted to do?
2: So when I was in high school, I was always, actually in middle school, high school, I enjoyed math, I enjoyed art, and I was looking for a profession that could maybe put those together. And back in those days, we didn't have as many magnet schools as we had, so really I went to Miami-Killian cuz being a native, and there was a drafting class. And so I took that drafting class and I seemed to excel. I really enjoyed it. There mm-hmm. were a couple projects where you could just decide what you wanted to do and so I felt like that was an opportunity. I didn't always dream of being an architect, but I I guess as I got older and got in the profession, I realized how much I enjoyed it in looking at buildings and understanding buildings. And so when I did go again, F- University of Florida, I went in with a uh, two potential majors. One was architecture, one was accounting. To again the math, and wow, the art. wow. That, I didn't get past the A's right. in the book. I say I really. What's
1: in the, Oh yeah, okay.
2: The, yeah, uh, but those are really different. Well, they are, and I always felt like you need a career that would be. Financially rewarding, so you could actually live, but something that you would want to enjoy. And what I quickly found out is, I don't care how rewarding accounting was; that wasn't for me. And I, I really enjoyed the architecture. I took classes for both, and throughout going to U- University of Florida, I was one credit short of having a minor in business. So I did follow the business all the way through, almost all the way through. Mm-hmm. But really enjoyed the architecture. So that's mm-hmm. when I switched over.
0: Now I went to school. I went to University of Florida. You did? Wanting to study architecture. And my kids have heard this story a thousand times, but mm-hmm. I don't know if, no, no, I don't please, know if I've tell heard this No, 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 but we want but to know. I have no heard Wait, wait. Sh- Some up, unnamed person made, you know caused me to make a life decision. So somebody said to me, hey, that's like the hardest major here at Florida. And I don't think, a, I never even took an architecture class. Wow. I just decided, and you know what I majored in? Accounting. <laughs> did you really? Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So and you're using My question that to today. you is…
1: But wait, I'm sorry. Can we go back before we get to the question of Eric and our
0: guest? You know, who is that person? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I tell that story to my kids about randomly at a park and and young people to encourage (laughs) them to think carefully about not what you do in college, because I don't think that matters as much, but think about what you want to do in life and don't not do something because it's hard. Like, we do hard things. It's like one of my family's themes. We do hard things. Right. And so, I did not major in what I wanted to do. Amazing. Because somebody who scared me off. And it's like this person who I've told the story a thousand times, this unnamed person like caused a pivot in my life. So, listener, if you are that unnamed yeah, person, please come to the office. Please reach out to me. Right. And we're going to do a podcast with you as our guest. And so my question to you is, is architecture actually the hardest major at Florida? Well, (laughs) having not
2: taken all (laughs) other majors, (laughs) it's hard to answer. I will
0: say it is extremely time consuming.
2: I would think your wife might disagree with that. (laughs) Well, it's, um, it is time consuming. And even the people, my wife's a pediatrician and she went through medical school. (laughs) And, um, but she will say that I spent more hours. We didn't know each other then, but we talk about what we did that we spent more hours in architecture than Mm -hmm. she did. Maybe her residency competes, but you're there. A longer period of
0: time she did it. Yeah. yeah,
2: Right. But then in the, the, I mean, undergrad and grad in the six years of being at, at Florida, I mean, you're pulling all nighters you're doing two, three days in a row with very minimal to no sleep to get the work done. So it's difficult in time and endurance. I would say core study-wise, you have to be good in physics and math. You have to get through the MEP classes, mechanical, electrical, plumbing. Thank you for, Thank that. You for You're welcome. Totally structural, you history. That. So there are core classes that you have to understand. I would put it this way, on top of just understanding and doing well in all those classes, you have to do well in design. And there. are it's a weed out process. So they'll start with probably 70 to 80 undergrad design one students. And so each semester it's design one, two. So your first four years you go through design eight and from one to two, there's a big drop off and two to three, there's a big drop off until you get to that design eight. And in the middle, between four and five, you that's your second year going into your third. There's a pinup process where you have to put all your work on the mm-hmm. wall. You walk away for two days and they tell you whether you're going to continue in architecture. Or not. Wow. Which is, yeah, it's quite terrifying. And so it's you, not easy.
1: You had me at physics. I'm out. <laughs> but I think for everyone like we are today, sitting on the 24th floor of a building, are quite happy that being an architect is a difficult
2: process Correct. and it is hard, right? Like you want to make sure that buildings stay up. You do. And and on top of the education, the, the process for getting licensed is quite difficult. When I went out, there were nine tests you had to take. Mm -hmm. You had to do, if you have a master's, it's two years of an internship. If you have a professional degree, it's three years of an internship. Then before it was nine tests, then it went down to seven. There's five now, but I think the five tests that they have now are more difficult than the nine that I took before it was. This is one test simply for structures now there's five tests where everything get blended together. So it's the the passing rate to actually become a licensed architect is mm-hmm. quite difficult. Mm-hmm. It's a long process. I don't think many people know from beginning to end what you have to do, but it is a long process to be a licensed architect. And that's state so by state? It is state by state. Most states, you can move your license around. It's about paying a fee and submitting, unless you're going to California or New York, and then other states coming to Florida because of the hurricane codes here. There's a little bit extra, but going to California probably the hardest from out of state. But most states, I got my license in Georgia and it was basically paying a fee and waiting. Earthquakes, weeks. fires, floods, California. Yeah. Cal-
0: in California, a lot of energy codes that you have to up sure. on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, like us, like you so you tell us the trajectory to get to where you are today mm-hmm. You know, in the practice of architecture. Because you started at a big firm, right?
2: So I took a different step and I, I always think back that I can't believe I did this, but between undergrad and grad, I took two years off of college. I wanted to, before I went and got my master's, I wanted to work in the industry and make sure it's what I wanted to do. Wise. Mm, so, yeah, I like it. So, I came home. I worked. I lived with my parents, and I got a job at a firm that was including me when I got hired. There were the principal and three drafters, young architects. So, it was the four of us, and I did that for two years, and— as hard as the decision was to do that, it was a very hard decision to stop. I was moving up in that firm. I was running projects after two years. And to give him credit, my boss at the time offered me a pretty generous raise not to go back to school. Mm. Probably a bad move because you bad have move to get- For your- you or for him? Well, <laughs> I, as being a business owner now, I have a certain mentality that I think the, the generation above us didn't have. And I don't look out just for myself. I look out for the interests of all my employees. And so I, I see myself as raising architects. In that moment, when you have an architect that's young and wants to go get their master's, I think it's the right move to tell them- To encourage them. Go get your right. license, come back to me You know when you right. have it, but right. encourage everybody to- I try to encourage all my employees to be licensed architects. I mean, that's right. what you went out for. So I did. I did leave. I went back to school. I knew what I wanted to do. And I would say after having the two years of experience- going back to grad school was much easier. I didn't pull as many all-nighters. I knew how to manage my time better from, you know, going from school to work. You really learn how to work better in a work environment. And so I managed better. I think my projects were better. I had a better mix, I think, of reality Mm -hmm. and abstract. Because in school, they just want you to be abstract. So it worked out well. It was a good path. Maybe it was that person that told you not to go in architecture, told me to take two years off. I'll commend them for that <laughs> because I still don't understand how he made that decision or remember why, but I think it was the right move. I do think, I mean, having
1: gone to law school straight out of college, I do think that I probably would have benefited by going to work for a little while yeah, before yeah. going back that, that perspective and the time management, I think, and, and just mature a couple maturity. more years of yeah, maturity. Yeah. yeah, yeah sure. You
2: know, and and I think for me in particular, maturity is a big thing. My wife and I, again, her being the pediatrician always mm-hmm. talk about this. I was one of those kids that had a, October, birth date, end of October. And so I started kindergarten when I was four. And I was like right. one of the youngest people going to college. I right. was the youngest one turning 21. I mean, I turned 21. Yeah. It was my senior year. And I think those two years of maturity, coming back, working, and then going to grad school and being, instead of slightly younger than everybody, slightly older than everybody, that went straight through. I think that maturity helped as well.
0: All in all, I look back on it, it was being the right decision to take. I would guess you'd learn. Probably more in those two years than you did in the previous four or the next. I certainly one took or it two. more seriously.
2: In undergrad, everybody focuses on the design and the right. abstract. And then I realized all those other classes that we kind of had to do well in were more important. Understanding those Lava. books from all those other classes are what you really relate to when you're working on a project. They have the real nuts and bolts of putting a project together, which is obviously the most important. Design is important and they teach you that, but also the construction of it and understanding the other parts and the other fields that are involved because we just design it. You got to know what the developer does, what the contractor does to make yourself a better architect.
1: So you go University of Florida, graduate, take two years off work, go back for your master's, and then you join a firm. Yes. And, you know, you worked your way up there. Like, tell us sort of the evolution from that to then to going what? to opening your own business sure. and
2: becoming a business
1: owner and growing sure.
2: that. So. Those two years I worked for a firm, when I left, my mentor, who was a good friend of mine at the time, in those two years I was in school, he had switched firms to a different firm. And I thought about going back to the original firm, and I called them, I was talking to them, I interviewed with them about going back, but the one that my friend went to and my mentor, I'm like, I think I should follow him, it, was, it felt like a better step. And mm-hmm. so I came back, I started really kind of low level at that firm, and actually in grad school... The second year of grad school, I took a program that was on Miami Beach. They had a, they worked with the city of Miami Beach, and you would work on municipal projects and kind of come up with design ideas on those things. And so yeah. I actually, my second year of grad school, I lived in Miami, and I started working for that firm part-time. And so I eased my way in. So I started at the bottom, and as I worked up, I... Didn't ask for the next position, but I would see what the people above me were doing. And I just started doing their jobs. I felt like I was pretty confident that I could do what they were doing. And I quickly became one of the younger project managers at that firm. And that firm grew. I was there. We went from a firm of about eight people to about 25, I think, in our largest. And it was entertaining to have a firm that big, to be in control of so many projects. Mm -hmm. And... I would say leading into 2007 and eight, when the economy started turning, being the head project manager, feeling like you're running the office, even though you're not the president, you're not really doing it, but in control. And even though I had my projects I was working on, I really monitored everybody else's, whether I was officially doing that or not. And then when the economy turned, things got slow. We went from 20 something people to back down to about seven. We got pretty small pretty quick. Mm -hmm. And at that time, There were jokes that, you know, I was in my cubicle and people have come and gone and come and gone. And they're like, you're just going to die in that cubicle. Yeah, But I was comfortable. I mean, I I think I had a decent salary. We were talking about potential partnership, owner transition. And a few things happened at the same time. After about a year with my boss going over the framework, what a partnership might be, I got official paperwork on an offer. And it wasn't necessarily the offer that I wanted, that I felt we talked about. And I saw the level of buy-in that would be there. And I thought for that kind of money, I could probably, for the percentage, mm-hmm. I could start my own and fail a few times over and maybe it wasn't worth it. And at the same time, another employee there had got an offer that we you hear of things like this all the time, where we're moving to the state of Florida, there's going to be hundreds of jobs over the next years, and we're going to work with just you and which never happened. But he, this other employee brought it to me. He wasn't a licensed architect. And he said, how about you and I start a firm together? You'll be licensed. We could split all the jobs like 60, 40, 70, 30. We could work something out, but we have this client. Let's go. And I kept thinking about it and I liked him, but I didn't really want to start a firm with him. I didn't want to go in with an unlicensed architect and just say, I'm automatically giving up money to you in a partnership and I felt like I need to try it on my own. But once you get that bug in your head of like, maybe I should do it, it's hard to stop. And so, you know, I'm sitting there doodling of what logos could look like and maybe what the name would could be. And there was just one day I'm like, I have to do it. And so I made the decision. I set up the incorporation. And the toughest part, I was there 16 years, which is a long time mm. to be in one place. And mm-hmm. as opposed to some people you here, they didn't like their boss. I really liked him. He was a father figure to me. He really... Taught me the industry. He, you know, he taught me how to do it right. Again, a different mentality of a different age group, but I think the right ways to run a business and deal with people. Maybe we did some things differently, but I, I don't think right or wrong. We just did things differently, but I, I felt like it was time to go off. So I had to break the news, tell him I was going off on my own. And then the one beauty of architecture, I think, compared to some other companies is really to start on your own. If it's going to be just you, you literally need a computer and not much
0: else. You mean that's all you need, right? Yeah, right, that, right, that, right. that's all you oh, need. You said, then,
2: uh, yeah. yeah, and yeah. so we took one of the bedrooms in our house, I set up a desk, the computer, got the software I needed. When I mentioned I was leaving, there were a couple clients that liked working with me. I made it clear that I didn't want to steal clients from my previous employer. So I, I did announce to people that I was leaving, mm-hmm. and a couple of them said, well, you know, you'll need this. There was another company out there that offered me some contract work that really helped when I first got started. And I was busy quick. Very quickly, I work was coming in. It's interesting to start your own business and not really know that side. I never learned yeah. that side. I knew I had to do the architecture. So, well, I like to say I had my business team. So Brett was very helpful on the legal side. My brother, who I believe was here previously, was my financial planner. I have a brother-in-law who's an accountant. I leaned on everybody pretty heavily and all had started businesses prior to me. And so they had very good insight on things to do. Mm -hmm. I found the beauty of not using Excel and using QuickBooks and getting that (laughs) set up because that's the only way to do it. But it was enjoyable. And the idea of what I thought the business would be and oh, I could just go do this during the middle of the day and then work here and there quickly was wrong on that, that I I was working a lot of hours.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's so many parallels between what you did and what both Brett and I did, you know, going out on our own, starting yeah. our own firms. And that idea is so, I think, daunting to many people. But you said so many things that I wanted to comment on. One, yeah. The first one was that you were comfortable. And that, I think, comfort is what keeps most people in, you know, tedious jobs. Not that yours was tedious, mm-hmm. but... Is that they're comfortable. They get a paycheck, they have a desk, they like that desk, they do their job, they get paid, that's it. They go home, there's no risk. And it takes something to jog you out of that, yeah. some spark to just get uncomfortable. And then you, what you did was you asked for help. Like, you know, you've gathered your village, you know, like your brother, your best friend, like of some other people, and you've just assembled the team to put it together. And it's actually not as hard as. You know, most people think like on the surface, but when you start, you know, crunching numbers and crossing the T's and dotting I's, you're like, oh, I, actually I can do this. Yeah, you figure out. And,
2: and I think there is certain individuals that can do this. And there's some individuals that don't have the drive. Potentially. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for and, sure. And, but yeah, I figured this is something I certainly can do. And so I did set a certain amount of time that if financially it wasn't working, there was a deadline where I really needed to see if it's going to sustain itself. But within the first few months, I felt like this isn't going to be a problem. I had enough work. I had enough history. And I think that's the other thing is maybe the first day out of college, you can't do it. But after having 10, 15 years and knowing people and knowing leasing agents and knowing contractors and them building trust in you, the work started coming in the door. And I've been lucky that my career, I've never had to market a lot. We try, we still talk about social media, but we have a lot of work that walks its way in the door. I think, you know, we're known as not being the most expensive, but not the cheapest, but we do a really good job on the drawings and it helps out construction schedules. And so I feel like there are contractors and developers that have trust in us. And so it's that part has worked out well. And that that first year, I made more than I did any of the years previously working. And so, and it's only gotten better. So it worked out well.
0: Yeah. And, you know, your comment about people, you're doing it right out of school. Yeah. That to me, I'm the most impressed by that. When you see a law student graduate and then they go hang out a shingle and start practicing. But I think for those people, I'm not sure if that's, you know, courage or ignorance. Like, I, I, they just don't oh, know. Was, what yeah. Like, they don't know yeah. what they're getting or what they, you know, they don't have enough experience to know what they're getting into and how crazy it is. But, you know, I'm always impressed by people who are able to take that plunge. But
2: and it has to do with personality. I'm a, I'm a cautious person. And so wh- whether it's investments or whatever I'm doing, I'm very cautious about each step that I take and I think it through. And so for my personality, there would be no way that it could happen. I would have to, it's like what I did taking two years off before I actually, going back in the master's and working in the industry, I needed to work the industry and understand it before I could open my own practice.
1: But I think I would say instead of cautious, I would use the word deliberate, right? And that's okay. sort of how mm-hmm. it's your approach to architecture. Right? Yeah. Details yeah. matter. Every You know, you're going to look over everything and make sure it's right. So Absolutely. I would say that maybe that I agree with Jeff. I mean, we did it similar to you in that we got to a point in our career where we were comfortable that we not had mastered the art of practicing law, because you never do that. It's, a practice. It's, a practice. it's practice. But we got to a point where we were comfortable that we knew what we were doing, right? In terms of the, you know, being a lawyer. And in the area that we practiced, just like you felt, I think after 10 16 years or however many years well, 16 you were
2: at that firm and two before that.
1: Right. So, so a long time. And you, I think felt comfortable. Hey, I, okay. I, I know what I'm doing when it comes to architecture, but then there's a different leap, you know, into, Oh, now I got to run a business. Correct. And once you left and started your business, right. Cause it's like a flood. And I know you had a village around you. Did there come a point in time when you said, okay, I, I got this. Like, I know how to run this business now. And now it's a matter of sort of managing it
2: and dealing with growth and, There's a point, at least for me, when you start it, it's very uncomfortable. And year after year, you just don't know where it's going to go. And and I know from everything that I've seen, the first five years are the most difficult when you build it, and then it starts to level off. And that build for me was very uncomfortable. And I still remember the day, you know, the first few checks that I got were small checks. And I remember the first day where I got a check that had a lot of zeros behind it from a client and literally shaking as I'm bringing it to the bank because I just wanted to deposit it because, wow, that's never happened before. I think a couple of the big steps is when I'm at home seven days a week, getting a few hours sleep each night. And instead of just sitting and watching TV with the family, I'm in the back watching TV and working and realizing I need to hire somebody. I need to get office space. I need to buy more computers. I need a phone system. I think it wasn't until after that growth of having employees Mm -hmm. and then being able to realize you can maintain their salary, you can maintain the benefits, you can maintain the firm, You can maintain a three to four month buffer of, you know, covering the the monthly nut of the company. Once I realized that for a couple of years, which was probably about six years in, did I start being comfortable with the company where I'm I'm a little bit more laid back. I mean, I used to look at a spreadsheet daily when I came in of what do we have? What's our future earnings? Where we are going to be? And now it's more of I could probably look at that once a month. And I just know where I'm at. You get comfortable with the inflow and and because that's what keeps the company running. So Mm -hmm. I would say about six to seven years in, we're in year 11
0: right now. And did you say you've hired your first person after five years? No, that was,
2: I would say after two and a half years is when I really, I probably should have done it after one and a half years. But uh, after two and a half years, I hired the first person. We got a small office space for the two of us and um, quickly needed to add a third person and then when we got the fourth person, then we had to grow the office and we got into the space that we're in now that has growth for We're we're at five right now. And we could probably fit eight in the office that we have. But that's the other thing is I'm constantly evaluating what I want, what I want the company to be. And when you first start, you think of these mega companies that have 30, 40, 50 people. And for me, the small firm I've realized is what I want. I don't want to grow I know eight employees would probably be a good sweet spot for me as long as while I'm the only licensed architect there, which we have one that just got a license, another one that's about to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as they move up, it may make things a little bit easier. But, you know, your license, when you sign the drawings, it's just you. It doesn't matter who's below you. So I, I take that very, that that responsibility to take quite large. And so reviewing the drawings, making yeah. sure when you sign it, when they go out to bid, having them be right is important. So I. The larger that would get, the less oversight I would have, and I'm not
0: comfortable with that. Yeah, that's where that cautious and deliberate those those mm-hmm, characteristics yeah. Yeah. come into play, and I, I kind of want that in an architect. Like, yeah. I want, my, I want my architect I, to be cautious. I, so, right? so,
1: so, yeah, let's go for it. Right. To me, though, anyone who practices with me knows I. I'm a firm believer in that too, even with words, like that that buildings aren't going to fall <laughs> right. if we make a mistake, like a client may be harmed or, or you know, the firm or whatever it is. But, you know, to me, attention to detail is super important. Obviously, you know, for us, different, like Jeff said, you know, we don't, buildings won't fall down if we, you know, miss a detail.
2: But in it's details, it's words. All of our notes have words that have to meet, have good meaning and yeah. cover yourself and you know, we, we do a lot of continuing education, which I assume you know, most professionals have to do. But we also have a lot of vendors come in, and you know, we jokingly have Lunch and Learns, and we'll joke that it's more about the lunch, but it's really about the learn. We bring in reps when working on a project, and if we want to know about door hardware, we call the company, they send somebody, and they'll spend an hour talking about it to follow up, and they'll tell you what's new and what's out there. We've recently had window covering reps and carpet reps. and you know, well, That's for the parties. design side. It, design and detailing. Yeah. A lot of those details are important.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the detail, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, for me, I think, the I don't know about Jeff's, for me, it was, if we get to five years, if I got to five years, mm-hmm. I felt comfortable, like, after that, like, you, like, six, seven, five, six, yeah. seven years, like, okay, listen, anything could happen after that, but for me, it was like, you get to five years, and, you know, then you've got something.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I'm still kind of waiting until I'm not there yet. No, I'm just kidding, but I, I, I don't, I don't, we, know, I don't think there was a we, moment where we've I was passed like, 14. Oh, we're, we're in about. year 15. Right, exactly, so. right? You then, know the idea of hiring, like I hired early, and I my view is like in a service business, if you don't have other people working with you, then you don't have a business. You you are the business, right? And so you started hiring. It took you a while to get there, but then it once did. you did, you probably realized, oh my God, why why did I wait this long?
2: It, right? it makes things easier because you when you turn a proposal and let's say you have 10 proposals out and you're praying they all don't come back at the same time, where when you have people working for you- You're praying they are. They right. all do. They, 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 right. Not yeah. only do they have right. to, you want them to, but you can manage it. If all come in, if half of yeah. them come in, you yeah. can manage it. Right. And I, I think the part of growth right now that we're going through is- you know, I, I'm still that sole practitioner mentality where I still do the accounting and I do the HR. And that's what I need to cut out now. So if anybody's listening and is interested in
0: part-time HR <laughs> slash bookkeeping. Yeah, well, we got some, we got, yeah. well, we'll make some introductions.
2: We got some, we got some referrals. Bit. But, but yeah, that's really, sure. I think the next step is that I, I need to get rid of that mentality and just be the architect and have other people do that. And I think we're at the size of the firm and have been where, again, I'm being a little bit too deliberate, taking too much time yeah. to make that decision. Well,
0: just not a, Good use of your time. Correct. Your time is way too valuable. For Correct, that, right? And Even your, though I won't expertise lie. that
2: uh, business background, I do enjoy it, but that's not what I should be
0: doing. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I always encourage young lawyers to do the same thing. Hire, you know, hire early, you know, because people think, oh, I can't afford it, or you know, they're thinking, you know, it's a sixty thousand dollar expense. It's not. It's five thousand a month, and you know, think about if you could come up with a couple of things that that person can do that will take things off of your plate. You know, the value is there almost well, it, immediately. It's exactly what you said because most people say
2: that to you when you're there. If you hire somebody that's 60, everybody sees a 60 as tomorrow, but it's not. All right. It's paycheck by paycheck, and you don't right. necessarily want to cut somebody loose if it's not working, but it isn't all upfront, and you can manage it even when you think you can. Can't, you usually can. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Developing the business and the business
1: side, you learn, even though you took business courses and all they just didn't practice business and running a business. And managing a business for, you know, for the first decade and a half of your career, mm-hmm. you know, and then you're thrust into, okay, now I'm, a, now I'm running a business, not just working in the business, I'm working on the business, right? And right. now you're at a stage where you've got to say, okay,
2: do I want to work more on the business? Or am I just going to work in the business? Correct. And, and that's, there's so many moments of growth when you have the business of what you're going to do. And I would say it's enjoyable to own it. And, you know, part of the two things of the American dream is like owning your land, owning your business when you buy your house and owning your business, when you start your business. But yes, I think being able to continue to grow, can you continue to rethink mm-hmm. where it's going, project ahead and cut out those things. I recently made a flow chart of what I want the business to be a few years from now. And what jobs am I doing on that flow chart that I need to remove myself from? And that's, that's where I'm working right now is to find, fill those positions so I can just be you know president, CEO, architect.
0: Now you're just. Today is the day where you start the marketing side, right? Because you're you're now podcasting. <laughs> you said you do no marketing, but here you are sitting here well, on a podcast. He right? is
1: on the podcast. The, I the mean, practice. This podcast. is going to be. No, no, no This no, no, is no.
0: going to open the floodgates for the you. podcast. <laughs> I mean, yeah. To end all well, podcasts. this is like a million proposals in once. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, this is part of my
2: getting, you know, we have a LinkedIn. It's really growing the LinkedIn, growing the podcast. We've reached out to some companies to run the social media because that certainly is not my forte, right. but marketing more so we can grow a little bit to that higher number of people that we want and being at that level of the company that I think will easily sustain itself and where I can pull back. And
1: before we, we let you go, just wanted to touch on the market. As you talk about that now, the market down here,
2: I mean, it's kind of on fire still right are you seeing that are you seeing any pullbacks i think miami is an anomaly compared to everywhere else that miami will stay busy and has stayed busy mm. there is an interesting shift since covid because a lot of people are working from home so i would say environments like yours where it's the just the office environment maybe the spaces are downsizing from what they were before but we do a lot of industrial work whether it's a 10,000 or 100,000 square foot Warehouse or factory space, those spaces are on fire. They are, you know, the mom and pop or the large businesses that have import export or creating products. That market is, I would say, had about a two to three month slowdown during COVID and then has just continued. Mm -hmm. And so we do a lot of that. That's the one where when you drive around, you see all those, whether it's in Hialeah, Doral, or Medley. That's a big part of our industry down here. And there's not enough. There's not enough. There's not a lot of land. I've heard talking about knocking down smaller office buildings to build more of those buildings. They'll find land wherever they can to build them. Right now, there's land in Hialeah, one of the parks that we're working on. They've got probably 12 more buildings to build out there, and we do all the interiors of those, so we get to learn about all those companies and watch them grow. But that's what we see the most. And there's some public work we do that continues. Speaking of that, before
1: I I would be remiss if I yes. didn't mention that Eric does a lot of work at the zoo. And so if you're ever down at the zoo. Zoo Miami is a beautiful place. Zoo Miami. I should actually I should specify the Zoo Miami. Sorry. Eric does a ton of work and has done a ton of work down at Zoo Miami. So if you're down there and looking specifically the restaurant, right? Yes. Nourish
2: 305. Yep. We recently just finished some of the stuff is back of house. We did the pygmy hippo holding, rhino holding, but we have a large project right now that at the amphitheater where it's going to be a cheetah exhibit where you can see the cheetahs. We're starting work on renovating the giraffe feeding platform to make it larger and covered. Plus, I don't countless other things. We're very busy at the zoo.
1: So when you're down at the zoo with your children and you're enjoying it, think of Eric Myers and ELM Architects.
2: ELM Arc. Arc. Oh, sorry. Choose your name wisely, because yeah. does A R C H spell arch? Arc. Yeah. I could. That's one of the things. Like Foo Fighters always.
0: And, and that, you right. call. And does do people call it Elm Arc? Everybody just calls it Elm, Elm. 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 But you yeah. don't call it Elm. I, I know. Just, it's I know it's Elm. I no, call it right. Elm Arc.
2: Everybody right. just arc. seems to call right. it
1: Elm. Yes. Gotcha you want to read us out jeffrey i'll read i'll read it thank you thank you for for doing this Eric. We no, and it. no actually thanks, before Eric. you
2: read us out i just want to say thank you both because i think do whether it's doing this podcast mm-hmm. the trends you all set with your office and in the environment down here and what you do for the environment and the yearly symposium that you have the i think forum, it's just yeah, yeah the form. it's just great for younger you know in their business years at least business owners to uh just have somebody send an example. So I appreciate you both and what you do. Thank you,
0: man. Thank go you. on. Like we should. We yeah, just, we should. Why don't we start with that? God. Uh, well, if you, you if you heard that and you enjoyed the show because you're still listening, then please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Subscribing to the show and leaving reviews helps others find the show and helps us grow and devote more time and produce better content for you, and it helps us bring special guests like Eric Myers on the show. Eric, this has been fun. Thanks. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. Nelson. Nelson. Thank
1: you, sir. Thank you, Brad. And Jeffrey. Thank you. Have a nice day.
0: For more information on this show and other resources, visit FastAmron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at fastamron